Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for joining us today. I am thrilled to have an amazing guest, Jenny Searle, who just came out with a book called Balance Chuva. Now, for those of you who are not aware or familiar with the concept, tshuva is the is a return to Jewish observance. We're going to use a couple of, of words. We can you know study together a little bit. the uh, The word bald tshuva is a person that grew up in a unaffiliated, perhaps if you can say, environment, and then made the choice to become religiously observant, orthodox for all of those people out there looking for that one. The Frum community means the orthodox community, uh, which basically is a group of Jews that practice biblical uh, Judaism, I guess you can call it, um, take, reading and, and actually trying to follow what's in the Bible, um, which, is, which is really, which is a trend that's on the numbers are all over the place, but, but on an uptick. And we, we dive into why anyone would want to do that. And the interesting thing is once you decide to radically change your life, and this is not, you know, religious observance is one component of it, but, but it's really making any kind of a cognizant, conscientious change in your life that once you sort of make the change, the credits don't roll, you don't like end your life right away, but you actually wind up having to live to, to you know, the make you, you, you make, lay in the bed you make or whatever it might be. And there's a lot of challenges with that. Um, so many of us are, are sort of not conscientiously thinking about well, why am I doing what I'm doing? And we're really quick to try to jump into the habits, be them old habits, be them new habits. Even if you can acknowledge that you want to change your habits, you just kind of want to get to the next autopilot. And it's very hard to be stuck sort of hanging in the middle. And we always want to try to end our journey prematurely. Uh, you know, if we're having a job problems or career problems or 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 any kind of a process, it's like, you know, okay, there's that one dark moment of the soul and okay, I'm going to do it and now I'm good to go forever. And then you're like looking at it three years down the road at your life and, and the challenges and the coming and the challenges that you knew were there and you think to yourself like, when am I ever going to arrive? And that's why I got very excited about the, the guest of our podcast today, her book, which is essentially addressing, she speaks to women, um, but we were lucky to get her for all audiences, uh, about their journey. And just because you've arrived, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be no bumps or anything like that. But how do you actively live the new life that you've chosen? And we get into proper mentorship. We get into how do I know I've achieved a certain level of competence where it's not arrogant or crazy to you know start to suggest changes to try to be involved in the community as educators what are the important lessons that we're trying to impart on those people that we are trying to lead and trying to influence and all around on on both sides of it it's interesting because i listened with two hats one is you know i've been a, a rabbi and a coach for uh, quite a while but she's talking about the demographic that that's me you know and, and a person that did not grow up jewishly observant and you know became jewishly observant and then you know sort of figuring out life as, as it goes on so it's it's really fascinating and i think in a lot of ways it's it really brings us all together 
because wherever we are on this journey, and if we're the influencer or the influence E and you know, all of those kind of things, we have to keep a lot of the very important lessons from this week's podcast in mind. And so I recommend you listen and take notes and really enjoy with no further ado. Jenny Searle, thank you so much for joining us today. You have just come out with a book called Balance Chuba, which is, I guess, helping people live a more integrated and balanced life. Can you tell us a little bit to you, like, well, first of all, what is Evolved Chuva and what is Chuva and what is this whole phenomenon that you're talking about? Sure. Thank you so much for having me, first of all. Um, so the book is really um, an outgrowth of um, many years of experiences in Jewish outreach, um, working with students, young professionals, um, just individuals who have um, engaged in a Jewish growth process in their own lives. Um, they've, you know, they've started out in at different points in their Jewish journey. Some of them knew a lot about Judaism. Some of them were coming from a completely secular or um, Jewishly disconnected background, but they were inspired. They um, really took the initiative to grow, um, to learn, to integrate Torah and mitzvot into their lives. And what I started seeing as a pattern um, was that you had individuals who were truth-seeking, who were strong, who were intelligent, who were talented and capable, and they got themselves to this point in their Jewish growth where they were, they were part of a from community and they were um, keeping Torah and mitzvot, and they wanted to be productive, happy members of those communities, but they were having a hard time integrating, finding their place, and also finding the resources that were really going to guide them at this next step. And so um, what I started doing was more formally giving classes and being engaged um, with the Balchuva population and with, you know, from um, young women mainly, who, um, who were amazing people but needed personalized guidance coming from a little bit of a different background, now integrating into a from community um, and to their from lives, how to do that successfully. And so the book is really um, an outgrowth of that, talking about unique um, aspects of the Balchuva journey that so are unique to them. Yeah. Just, to, just to totally define the different terms that we're using, yeah. uh, what, is, what is from, in your definition, what is Balchuva? When does a person make that crossover? <laughs> right. Are we all in a process of that? How does that, yeah. how does that whole thing work? Yeah. So the truth is we are all in a process, at least I hope we are. Um, and so from, in my opinion, or in the way that I you know, define it is um, Torah observant, observant of Torah and mitzvot. Okay. So obviously under the umbrella of Torah and mitzvot, that's a pretty broad spectrum. And anywhere a person falls within that, um, you know, is, it works. And a Balchuva is someone also very much self-defined. So if a person says, you know, I've taken on Torah and mitzvot, they're going to be a Balchuva. Hopefully they keep growing. But they, it, they really, this book is for people who really come from a background where they didn't have that. They didn't have observance. They didn't have um, an immersive Jewish lifestyle. And now they've um, initiated that transition, taken that on for themselves. Let's paint, let's paint with very broad strokes for a moment. Why, in your opinion, I mean, it's an interesting phenomenon. You have people that are at the upper crust or the middle upper crust or the very higher crust, however you want to look at it, of society that are intellectual, that are rational, logical, highly educated, in some cases have great you know, professions and careers, yeah. and they opt to go into this spiritual system, which is, you know, ostensibly 3,300 years old plus, and find themselves on the outgrowth of the other side almost a stranger in a new land, 
essentially all of the you know societally based uh, success brand, you know, barometers go out the door. You know, why would anybody do that? Right. So I actually do talk a little bit about that in the introduction of the book, where I say, you know, the Balchuva movement is is a total miracle. It's a testimony to two things. It's a testimony to the truth of Torah, of Jewish history and Jewish experience. And it's also a testimony to the strength of the individual. Um, the fact that there are people who are willing to put themselves through a difficult process who could have been just coasting comfortably in life, but choose to seek out truth and meaning um, and clarity in their lives and then have their lives reflect that truth is just incredible. It shows you the strength of the Jewish soul. I think that that's really what it's testimony to. That's fascinating. So now if a person does accept, I guess you can say that my spiritual journey is best manifest itself and for Jewish people as a, as a, in the same way of practice, I guess you can say as, as our forefathers and four whatever it was, foremothers uh, right. behaved. Um, what are the biggest challenges on, you know, on very broad strokes? Like what are the biggest challenges facing a person when you actually go into a, when we say from community, established Orthodox community of people that might have grown up this way or been doing this for thousands of years. Uh, so what are the biggest like challenges and pitfalls? Yeah. So a few of the major challenges are being able to take your whole self with you through that journey. So realizing that... what Go ahead. Start, let's let's yeah. start and stop with that one because that's yeah. fascinating because a lot of people, yeah. they are defined by what they do and who they are. And then when you go into Jewish observance, it, people look at it and they're like, but everyone, so to speak, has to do this. So like, how do you take yourself into that? Especially when it means certain parts of our, our lives. Let's say uh, if you live on the West Coast of California, if you love shrimp tacos, for example, and then you can't have the shrimp tacos anymore. Like, right. How am I able to carry that with me? Right, exactly. So you want to pick out the core aspects of um, who are you as a person, right? You were, um, you were, super motivated, you were super creative, you were talented in one way or another, you still are that person. And those are the things you want to bring with you. you the expressions of those qualities may look different in your from observant life. Um, but, but the fact that you have all of that to bring to the table and to bring to your experiences um, is certainly yours and you shouldn't leave it at the door because when you do that, you start, you could be an accomplished person and walk into your um, um, integrated sort of immersive Jewish life feeling like I, I have nothing to carry with me here because I didn't learn in, let's say I didn't learn in day school for 12 years. I don't know the norms and so, sort of social standards of the community, but you do know a lot. You've had many experiences. You have talents, you have skills. Don't leave those at the door. Take those with you and find an expression for them because probably the Jewish world needs those things and you have those things to offer. I, I, want to, I want to drill into that because I think what might have been missed in the process and something that you brought up, um, nothing says I'm a father like trying to write notes with a, with a, with a big pen, but, um, but um, one, of the, one, of the, one of the things that you, you tapped on that I, I think might have been left out for a lot of people's process, and especially if they are making major commitments to Judaism and change their lifestyle as college students, is that you actually have to know sort of who you are before you take on or in the process. So how do you help someone who might find themselves saying like, well, what am I at the end of the day? How do you start with that process of, of, of self-knowledge, of true self-knowledge? Uh, and, and seemingly that's an independent process of yes. just 
Jewish observance. Right. So oftentimes I find that people will ask questions about Judaism, but the question really relates to something deeper about who am I? Um, what, how do I feel about, you know, my self-esteem? How do I feel about different roles that I'm seeing? And I always say to them, like, let's what would be an example yeah. of that kind of a question. I'm sorry to cut so you for off. For example, for example, um, you know, a, a young, let's say even somebody who's already observant, right? But they'll say something like a young married woman might say, um, you know, I think it's really unfair that my husband constantly has to leave for Minion all the time. It's so unfair. And then I try to dig deeper and the question becomes, is that really their question? Is the question a Jewish question of why do men pray three times a day outside of the home? Or is the question like, maybe you feel neglected by your husband. Maybe there's different relationship aspects you need to work on. Maybe there's communication, um, mutual respect. Right? There's things underlying. And so I'll say, let's put the Jewish question to the side for now. Let's focus on that first. If we can fill those voids, the Jewish questions will come easily. There are answers to those. But if that's not your question, then an answer to that won't really help you. So that, I think that's a point for educators and people in, in, on, on both ends of the spectrum is essentially what, what I'm hearing you say is that if, if a person has a healthy relationship with themselves, the outpouring will be, theoretically speaking, that the majority of Jewish observance actually does not come as much of a challenge. Whereas if you don't have a good relationship with yourself or with your spouse or anything like that, no matter what you do, it's not really going to help. Right, 100%. That, you know, even, for example, in the first chapter, I talk about dealing with secular family and friends. So if those relationships are strained or unhealthy to begin with, um, helping you navigate, you know, the ins and outs of how to keep kosher while being at your parents' house isn't going to help you. What we need to talk about is the strained relationship with your parents first. Uh -huh. And then, then it will be much easier to integrate um, the Torah information, the Jewish sort of um, helpful ideas about how to do, how to navigate that situation. And what you're s saying sounds very like it's difficult to market. Do you think that there has to be more fair marketing to say like, you know, kind of like warning, even though you really enjoy the Shabbat meal and you think it'd be phenomenal that you're gonna have to work on all of your serious issues? Or do we just like, does that come out naturally? Um, that's a really good question. I think that we have to create responsible educators, and I'm not saying we're not, but we have to make an effort to do that. And the people who are in a position of exposing people and teaching people about Judaism and Torah should realize that um, the responsibility will also fall on them to make sure that they're teaching that in a healthy way to a healthy person. And if they're not, they're going to have to manage that process. They don't have to be their therapist, but they're going to have to um, really be honest with their students. Like, we're only going to get to, um, you know, let's say, I'll give you an example. I had a student one time who was very new in her exploration of Judaism. And very soon after she had just attended her first, like, few Shabbatonim, she decided she wanted to wear knee socks. Mm. And I said to her, okay, wait a second. <laughs> let's hold on for a minute. That's great. But that's really external. And maybe there are smaller, deeper things um, you could smaller things that are more concrete, that are more likely to stick, that you could take on first. Why are you drawn to something that's so external? Is there something about that that fills a void? Is there some insecurity you're looking to fill? Let's talk about that first before I just, you know, applaud your decision to take something on. That's a very profound example. And it really speaks to the necessity, I think, of the educator to be focused on the process and not the outcome because yeah. the outcome you're like great right. but then right. if you're selling something then you know like no one's gonna keep right. the product long term 
And then you're actually responsible now that, you know, again, it's a, it, there's a crazy phenomenon that a lot of people having, and I think this is specifically what your work is trying to help, is that a lot of people bought, in, I'm saying like I became religiously more observant or on the process more observant when I was, you know, 18, 17, you know, in college. And, you know, the, the, the world that I live in and the world that I was living in then are very, very different. And, and, and for a lot of, all these, a lot of people we, we speak to and that are running around in the circles, you know, that when you deal with the reality of children and family and tuition and right. work and all this kind of stuff. So it's like, yeah. you know, nobody told me about this stuff. How do I deal with it? Um, right. People can feel really disenfranchised and that's that, really unfortunate and, and it shouldn't be that way. What do you do? Yeah. Right. So, so I tried when people um, feel bitter and they feel a little bit like, um, you know, that they were served something that wasn't real. I try to really go back to the basics and I acknowledge that if those were their experiences, that's not okay. That they were like sort of soul division that doesn't exist in reality. Let's go back and find that very first, that core of what it is that you are connecting to here in Judaism. Let's talk about who you are. Don't leave that person behind. Bring it with you um, because you're gonna, people eventually start to look for themselves in their from lives. And if they can't find themselves, they're gonna be very frustrated. Okay, so we're gonna, so, so that's amazing. Yeah. There's this, there's this uh, uh, an article that went viral somewhere. I don't remember where, I, but it was talking about how even, and this had nothing to do with Jewish people, but just how the, the, a woman writing in the process of motherhood that she lost herself and she woke right. up and she's, who are these small people pulling, <laughs> up, you know, like, what, what did I do? So right. are there any like tangible um, like bullet points that a person should be aware of as they go into, forget about a spiritual journey, but just a different life journey that involves other people in a, in a work environment, in a family environment that will keep them kind of plugged into their true right. self? Yeah, so if, um, first of all, identify those aspects of you. Again, do you need a creative outlet? Do you need to have, um, you know, a flourishing career in, in some area? Are there interests, talents you need to express? And then nourish those things. Find ways to nourish those parts of you because if you stop nourishing them, they will wither and then you'll be frustrated. Um, so don't lose yourself and also start to see how the journey that you're on, whatever that journey is, is meant to actually expand you and you're not meant to lose yourself. You're meant to find more of yourself there. So ideally through your family, through your children, through your Judaism, um, you're going to actually find newer, deeper reservoirs of who you already are that you couldn't have accessed without these things. If you do that process in a healthy way, a person over time should actually identify the ways that they've expanded and developed, not not vice versa. So two, two, two points on that. One is that you clearly felt that you needed to write this book. Yeah. And that sort of implies that I'm sure if the book that you wanted to write was, you know, all over the shelves, you'd be like, okay, great. I'll, I'll write something else. So what specific point is missing in the Jewish world that we live in where people aren't getting that message that you felt, you know, inclined to write? Yeah. There is a lot, and rightfully so, there's a lot of focus on outreach. There's a lot of focus on our communities, you know, the schools, the established shoals, um, the infrastructure we need. Those are beautiful goals. There is now a group of its own in the middle there, um, and they are looking to sort of cross the gap from one place to the next, from their initial Jewish experiences into their religious Jewish communities. And we need to focus on that group. And I found that when I started offering the classes, um, it was unreal. There were people who had been observant for one year and people who had been observant for 10 years who said, 
I need, I, I need to talk about these things that are unique to my process, that are unique to my journey, that have never really been addressed explicitly. And the book does that. There really are no books out there that talk about this in that way. And that's, that's fascinating. That shows that we're missing that emphasis um, on that group of people that, yes, we want to integrate them, but at the same time, they do need specific individualized guidance. And I think that, that is, that's lacking. What do you do and what do you tell someone? And, and I think that, you know, we, it's, it's, very, it's always challenging to, to address issues in a way that it's positive and solution oriented without coming across because it's for better or for, it's, it's, I'm certain for sure it's for worse, but you know, the, the blogger sphere of negativity and, and poison and stuff like that is so, is so relevant that anyone that, that steps out like you've decided to do and to identify a an opportunity that right. is not being addressed and talk about it probably carries with it a lot of personal uh, peril about your reputation and like, well, who is this person to bring this up? Yeah. So I wanted to ask as an author and as a, as a personality, you know, what gave you the confidence to be able to go out and to say, yes, I am not the for, you know, I, I, again, we all have this concept of what a forerunner, you know, generation authority. Sure. And you're like, well, actually, no, in my personal experience, this hasn't been addressed. So how did you get that courage as an Orthodox Jewish woman? Sure. Um, to be honest, I think I got that confidence from the young women I connected to. Um, mm. When I saw that I was giving them something that they needed that they weren't getting elsewhere, I realized like, I need to disseminate that message or these messages. This is important. This is something that's needed. Um, and I guess, you know, Hashem decided that I should at least do my part in addressing, in addressing the voids. Voids exist because they're there for us to fill them. And I tell that to the girls I'm close with. I tell that to, you know, people in my classes. You, you have things that you bring to the table and there are needs um, and you have those things to fill those needs. So that's how I feel. I feel like I saw how beneficial it was to young women who had come back from seminary, to young women who were in new marriages or raising young children, how helpful these ideas and processing these, um, the things that are talked about in the book, how important that was to them. And so that sort of pushed me to, make, to offer it on a bigger scale. It's, that's such a, and, and, I, and I, I wonder for myself if this is a unique challenge within Judaism, or like you said, just kind of like your own baggage that you have to, to work on, but, that concept, you know, it's a, it's a basic reality. If you want to get up and start speaking in public and you think to yourself, who am I to speak in public? You, you can't speak in public. Right. <laughs> you say, you know, there's one person out there and I'm just going to talk to them. and I don't really care about the rest of the world and my credibility. If, I, if my message can actually impact someone, I'm going to go for it. So that's, it sounds to me like how you are able to take the reins and actually take on this very challenging right. task. Yeah, you have to really believe in the message. If yeah. you feel the message is important enough, you might say, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge big person, but you know, the message is so important that for the sake of the message, I have to get up and do this. That's beautiful. So the next, the next question would be, you know, you had mentioned that, that there's this group that's in the middle of jumping the gap and you're coming from one place, you're going to somewhere else. And then the challenge is you're saying, if you're speaking to people that have been in, have jumped the gap for, you know, a decade plus, and you're not just seeing people that are, you know, I don't know where, how, which, which door to walk into at the synagogue, right. but I've been in the synagogue and I'm starting to see things that are like, what, like, why are we doing this? Um, right. To what extent should the Balchuva, should the newly initiated person, and at what stage should they start looking around? Like you said, you know, your true self, the community actually might need that. To what, at what point or what kind of indicators are gonna be in your life 
to feel confident to say we might have missed, and I don't want to, you know, argue for the sake of arguing, but maybe it's a better time or a better approach to right. do. X. So, you know, I actually do talk about in the book as well, being a giver. So it's very important as a prerequisite to giving, you can't give what you don't have, <laughs> right? If, you know, it's like when a single uh, young man or young woman starts to give marriage advice the to their older friend, that. right? Yeah. So it's like, that's nice, but you don't have that to give. So you're crossing that boundary. That's not going to work. But if you really feel like I'm giving something I really have, so, so go for it. You know, if you have some creative skill, if you have some insight, if you have a, an idea of how to make things better, you know, propose it. Propose it in your local community. Tell a group of friends about it and start small. And just make sure as long as you have it to give, go for it. Um, I, always, I always tell students as they start to identify issues um, in, in their, you know, in their surrounding community, no, you know, people are not perfect, so they're going to find issues. I always tell them, this is great. This is like the vaccine. This has to inoculate you <laughs> because you have to see, you have to see things that are not perfect and still hold on to what brought you here to begin with, to be able to um, deal with the issue successfully and also maybe then make a contribution of some kind. When you are advising people to find a, um, a mentor. And I think that, that this is a, it's a, it's a, you know, the, I, I don't know if the Jewish world is a, is a, is a bigger version of this or a smaller version of this, but there is such a, you know, with, with social media and the, it, you know, prevalence of information as it is, we ne have a very hard time finding the right mentor. We think that the right mentor, you know, if you want to like start a, a small a business, so you're going to start with, let's look at Jeff Bezos and what he's doing right now with Amazon. Then you're like, God, I'm terrible. I'm just trying to, right. you know, sell, sell whatever it might be. Right. So, I think in the Jewish world also, we're trying to oftentimes skip steps and skip mentors and try to find someone that is fully immersed in the Jewish world and all those kind of stuff. And then you look at yourself in your own life and you're like, gosh, this, this guy doesn't even have a desire to, I keep going back to the shrimp and tacos. Maybe that's, that's my, you know, I, I, you know, right. But, but, or, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so how do you advise um, Balichuva to find um, healthy mentorship and the right person? That's so important. Um, you have to find somebody who is a step ahead of you. So they can't be exactly where you are in your journey at your point in life. They do have to be at least a step or two ahead. Um, but they have to be able to relate to you and they have to be able to acknowledge who you are and where you come from, not as a negative, as mm -hmm. part of your, the totality of your life now too. Um, and, when you, and you have to find somebody who you would like to um, perhaps grow into but your own version right you it's not like you want to become them but you see things about them that you'd like that inspire you that you see as i would like to incorporate um that quality or grow towards that and that person emulates that but they still relate to me they still um acknowledge that where i come from is inherently positive my journey is inherently positive and they're going to relate to myself in a whole way and the reality is for most people that might not be one person it might be one person that's like a mentor for you in a certain way. And another person, it might be your neighbor that's a mentor for you with dealing with little kids. Um, to try to find everything in one person can always, almost be um, you know, too lofty of a goal. And so we have to utilize the resources that exist within our communities. Um, you might reach out to someone for for certain kind of guidance and see that you have other people available to you to support you in other ways. And that's important too. 
on a personal note, how did you get to doing what you're doing? And in terms of your own mentorship, like who do you look at and how do you identify who you want to be? And like, how do you figure out that next, you know, two steps down the line? Did you ever, right. did, did author fit into what you were doing? Or is that like, oh, surprise me to do this? Like, how did you work that? Yeah. So author didn't really fit into it. It just kind of happened, honestly, because I was so passionate about the message. I never really thought that I, I'm really um, passionate about mentorship. And that's what I would, I see myself uh, the role I see myself filling for, for young women. Um, and the book kind of came just, again, as an outgrowth of being really passionate about the message and feeling like it's not being talked about enough. But um, in my own life, <clears throat> I was lucky enough to um, actually make the switch from a public school as a kid to a Jewish high school. And, and there I found um, teachers who were inspiring um, and relatable and people who I really saw being able to sort of guide me at different points while taking into account again the totality of who I was and so those are still the people that I really I really go to for my own guidance and even in um, guidance on how to guide others um, when needed. That's fascinating. So what you're, what you're, and that, that's really interesting. So do you find, and I don't, I know there's no like scientific evidence there or whatever it might be, but do you find that in your case, it sounds like that your mentors grew with you and the people that inspired you initially were, you know, able to, to expand to what extent do you see that happening? And to what extent do you find that that's, that's actually pretty challenging and that a person should be open to and willing and actively looking like once I've worked through this mentor, who's the next person I right, go to? Right. So I was, I think that it is unique and rare um, that a mentor could actually um, move with you through different points in your life and actually be able to address the same you at different points with different needs. That's amazing. That's incredible. If you find it, hold on to that person. <laughs> um, but oftentimes um, it is common for people to say, you know, I, I talk about this in the book that um, I be, you know, let's say uh, someone became um, more Jewishly inspired and started growing through on their college campus. And then they move off of their college campus. They move into a different city, into a community. The, the mentors, the rabbis, the rabbitsons that were there may not be as available to them. They might not be as accessible. They also might not have the guidance that that person needs in their community, in their school system that they're sending their kids to. And they might have to look for people who um, at that point can then help them at that stage in their lives. And that's natural. It's not bad. It shouldn't be seen as, as a negative. Why would a person want to look more into their Judaism or if they are, you know, on the outside involved, why, what incentive is there, especially now that, you know, your book is out there saying, oh, and by the way, you should know that this is going to cause an entire turtle <laughs> mess to just like manifest itself in your life of all of your unresolved issues. Why should a person do it? Right. So I think what's that, on the other side. Yeah. I think that life is a journey. Um, it should be a journey. I think too many people are not on a journey. And so if you're on a journey, you're going to be, you're never going to have, um, at least you shouldn't feel like everything is just fine. I'm going to stay here. It's a journey. You should be moving. And so you should continually ask those questions, um, seek out, seek out truth. Again, that's a process in, in so many different ways. Um, if you're curious, if you're motivated to um, bring in meaning and figure out, well, here I am in 2019, but I'm coming from a three over 3,000 year journey. What, who am I in that, in that chain, right? Am I going to be a link? Am I not going to be a link? Those are decisions that we can't avoid unless we're not on a journey. So I would say that um, it's worth being on a journey 
it's worth being intellectually honest with yourself and that's a process but it's it's not an easy process but it's very rewarding like any process that that's meaningful and fulfilling Amazing. Jenny, how do people find you, find the book, get to know more? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the book can be found at balancedchuva.com. Um, it can also be found in most uh, local Jewish bookstores. And they can, anybody can be, feel free to get in touch with me, jennysearl at gmail.com. I'd love Amazing. to hear from everyone. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. There you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.